Hello and welcome to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. I am here live at the Rolex 24 at Daytona and I have a fellow Scot here, Ryan Dale. Ryan, welcome to the program. I'm going to sound very non-Scottish compared to you. I'll put on my best, uh, best accent. Yeah, you don't sound too... You've, well, you've kept it pretty well. Well, yeah. if I drink, it comes out stronger. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you drink whiskey. Yeah, there you go. And yeah. I heard I'm the only Scot in the Rolex this year, so that's a little disappointing. Ah, that's good. But we'll it's be, good one of us are still here. We'll be tuning I should have brought some Scotch. Uh, maybe for uh, Sunday night, I'll find some. <laughs> first, first, most hard-hitting question first. Tonics Caramel Wafer or Tea Cake? Snowball. Snowball? Yeah, oh, I'm a snowball guy, God. but then I guess it's uh, it's a tea cake, right? Ah, uh, and of course you've you've got a family background and such, so you're an expert in... Uh, expert in, in, uh, in bacon for sure, my dad. <laughs> and then still when my dad gets back to the UK, he still uh, makes a trip over at Tunnocks and goes and sees his old buddies. Have you, have you ever had a Fisher and Donaldson fudge donut before? I don't think so. They are awesome. They are awesome. Good. I mean, it's got all the right ingredients. Yeah, they, maybe not for, maybe not during race week, like they're... Like this much confectioner's custard? After my November, December of overindulging, it probably wouldn't make a difference <laughs> at this point. So, how new car, um, same team, how does it feel to be back in a prototype again? Uh, relieved. Uh, yeah, last year was funny because it, as much as I should appreciate uh, being employed and, uh, and get to do this race, um, it was a little bit disappointing last year to, to spend so many years uh, in a prototype and I, I just felt like I was not done with it, you know, and, and so Glad to be back. It was something we worked on even last year. We actually were trying to work on uh, Resurrecting the uh, Petroni SM program. Okay. And so the original Star Wars plan for 2019 uh, We had first right refusal on the Nissan DPI mm-hmm. um, And at the 11th hour when that deal didn't happen the Audi deal was kind of the fallback backup plan. Yeah mm-hmm. um, so I think I went into the whole end of last year thinking we were going to continue in the, the Nissan and when that didn't happen, uh, the Audi program was just an absolute disaster from start to finish. Um, so nice to be uh, back in what I consider uh, my racing family with Starworks and a bunch of new faces this year, but also um, a lot of similarities. You know, David Heimer Hansen has been my teammate in the past at ESM, so has Nico Lapierre. Uh, obviously Peter Barron and I go back too long at this point. Um, <laughs> But excited to uh, have my 15th consecutive Daytona and making me feel old. Wow. And Nico Lapierre, you know, people often refer to him as Mr. LMP2 at yeah. Le Mans. How do you lure a guy like that to a program? Um, we got on very well uh, when we worked together at ESM and, and I think similar ages. And um, I, I, he was my first choice when it came to finding a pro. You know, there's a couple of guys that contacted us, but it all kind of worked out well. Our engineer is a guy called David Leach. David Leach is considered Mr. Orica LMP2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico is Mr. LMP2 for Orica and, and the kind of two of them came as a package um, and luckily we were hiring both of them at the same time so when each of them found out they were both coming to the program um, they both signed up pretty quick. I think when you've got a race team it's a good day when you get a yes from someone of that caliber as well to come and race the car. Yeah and it's also good when when they find out who you're bringing in to strengthen your program, that that's kind of their deciding factor. I mean, there's lots of options for guys like Nico, um, so you have to, you know, make it appealing. There's probably better financial options for him too, but he felt that this was a, a good fit, as did our engineer David and a bunch of other guys that uh, we sourced over from Europe. Oh, brilliant! Fantastic. Again, you mentioned the 2019 campaign. You know, Audi, the Audi is a R8. It's a car that's won a lot of races around around the world, but. It's uh, those on TV, they, what, the, what do they not see that makes 
you know, that was obviously, as you said, a difficult season. What are the kind of challenges that you came across that got in the way of getting the results that you're all capable of? Well, um, unfortunately, the car overachieved in previous years and uh, they came out of the Evo kit and we were the first car in the world to, uh, first series in the world to run the Evo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Audi uh, felt like they had done such a great job and they kind of beat their chest a little bit to the, the series and before we knew it we got hit with a huge weight and restrictor penalty uh, between the roar and the race last year and so it's kind of our own fault uh, or let's say it was our manufacturer's fault that we turned up and we're uncompetitive and we spent most of the year trying to reverse the BOP and uh, we just got to the point where the sponsor got frustrated and he pulled the plug and I don't blame him you know, no, I know was, you're uh, right. Yeah, they need results, don't they? They, yeah. need, they need results, and uh, we weren't able to deliver, and we, we still have a great relationship with the driver and the sponsor, and, yeah. um, you know, we we were supportive of their stopping. It just, uh, that it, the Audi was so good and so well-balanced everywhere else that uh, they were a little bit scared of it here, and, and so we paid the penalty. Ah, uh, that's, that's, that's a real shame. The, uh, it appears that we share the same affliction for road cars and changing them like our socks. Right. <laughs> what's uh, what's been your favourite road car that you've, you've owned Ooh. in your long history? God, I I have an absolute addiction. Um, <laughs> other than Dario, I think I'm probably the worst. At least he can afford to keep his. I have to trade mine. Um, favourite road car, honestly, I, I think I went through... I've owned every generation of uh, GT3 Porsche since 2007, since the 997.1. Mm -hmm. um, the 997.1 GT3 might be my favorite all-around fun sports car. Okay. Uh, I did have an 18 manual, which I funnily enough traded an RS in on the manual because I was bored of the RS. Yeah. Uh, and that was probably one of the most fun cars, but I think all-around best car for everything it does uh, AMG GTR. Ah, and that's the one you got recently. I, I just sold that one too. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, I had a GTR and then uh, I got on the list for the GTR Pro, uh -huh. which was uh, only 150 in the US and 700 in the world. And uh, I just sold that before the roar here. Um, and uh, for me, all around, that is probably one of the best daily driver, terrifyingly yeah. fast sports cars. Mad thing. Mad. Yeah. Mad. Well, it's been the worst decision. Everyone's had a car where you just, you'll never Ooh. forgive yourself for Smart buying car. it. Smart car. Smart car. Hands down. Not even, not even a question. Why? Yeah. Why a smart? Because it was a smart car. <laughs> oh, why was it bad? Or yeah, why, yeah, why yeah. Did well, I do it. Uh, yeah. I did it because it was the phase at the time, and uh, my my wife and I thought that we should be eco-friendly and seemed like a, a good decision. We lived in Orlando City at the time, and we didn't drive much, or she didn't drive much, and so. Uh, we got it trying to be uh, economical. What the best part was, I also owned a V10 M6 at the time that got about eight miles to the gallon. So it was a bit of a contradiction, but that lasted a uh, uh, really short term. I think that my record is uh, two weeks. I had a 981 Boxer Spider, which took me about two months to find the exact one I wanted. And then I traded it two weeks later. I loved it, I just, I just was, just couldn't do it. Just getting silly. Yeah. The for me, like I'll never forgive myself. I bought a three-liter Audi diesel right. A5 over an RB320 Impreza. Bad decision. Absolutely shocking decision. You yeah. think how? But you, 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 I'm sure you've done it. You go, why yeah. did I buy a smart car? Why did I buy an Audi diesel over a Subaru? I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't regret many of my trades. The only one I regret getting rid of was uh, I had a CLK 63 Black Series. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
I actually had two. I had one when they were new. Yeah. And uh, lost my ass on it. And so I bought another one at the start at 19. And I found a one owner, 11,000 mile white. Uh, and the car was perfect. Um, and then a guy literally bumped into me and said he wanted to buy it and I sold it. And, and I sold it for what I paid for it. And I regretted it every day since. That was in uh, September, October. So is that going to be a retirement project once racing's over, be a car dealer? No. 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 <laughs> Although every car dealer tells me, every car dealer I know that has a very nice lifestyle tells me there's no money to be made in a car dealership. Uh, I don't believe that. No. Uh, retirement fund, I don't know. We'll figure that out. Watches. You've got pl plenty of time to think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Of time. Uh, tw your 2012 season, looking back, I think your 2012 season has got to be one of the best seasons any sports car driver has ever put together. Almost like Ken Miles in '66. Right. That you know, winning all the big races, uh, coming second here. What was your, what was your memories? What are your fondest memories from that year? Because it just seemed like everything clicked. Uh, it did, um, and, and for sure, it's, I remember at the end of that year, thinking to myself, if I could afford to retire at this point, this would be the time to do it. Um, <laughs> Not winning Daytona that year was a sucker punch though because we dominated the race, we were on pole um, and one of our drivers had an off late in the race and, and that kind of lost us the win but uh, still one of the best looking, I think best races to watch for everybody was that one but yeah. Le Mans without a doubt, taking the flag in Le Mans um, was absolutely the most epic moment of my life and uh, standing on the podium. It's a strange place Le Mans because when the overall winner gets all the glory right yeah. And the class winners, you pretty much get uh, segregated from the whole thing for the first like hour of the race finishing. And, and I was in Park Fermi, and I remember we just won the race, and I'm on the radio and I'm crying and we're doing all our things. And then I get to Park Fermi, nobody's allowed in. And we have to get ushered from there to podium. Yeah. And so I remember the class winners, it was me and the, the GT guys, and the three of us were in a bus together, but there was nobody to celebrate. And so you, you end up, at least this is what it was at 12, and so I ended up on this bus for like the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes, trying to get to podium yeah. with nobody else around. And then once we got there, it was like another 15, 20 minutes till I found the team. And so it was an odd, but it, you know, at the same time, it was nice to kind of gather your thoughts and, and realize what you had just done. Was it nice to have a kind of a, a kind of communal moment with your, your colleagues, if you like, who they've all just won Le Mans, you're all looking at each other going, I'm trying oh to remember, I remember one of the drivers I knew, it was, uh, Maybe one of the Corvettes that won that year. Uh -huh. And so like one of the guys I knew, and we were kind of laughing and joking about the fact that like, God, we better stay excited for the next 30 minutes till we see everybody. Um, but now, I, maybe nowadays it's a little different because now you you don't do the full slowdown lap. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, uh, and with now having an LMP2 car that runs, obviously is eligible all over the world, is Le Mans back on the radar for Starworks, do you think? It is. Um, and not only that, you know, John Ferrano is uh, still competing in Europe in, in a P2 car. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he owns the program of Starworks, are, we're hired to run it. Um, yes. So, you know, there's definitely discussions of us going back over there. It's not going to be this year, you know, the, the entries won't work out. But yeah. if John wins uh, the Truman Award this year with IMSA, then he gets the auto invite for next year. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that. We're discussing and you know this is the plan is to go back oh, fingers crossed yeah super cool last thing if you can have the racing genie is going to give you a wish you can have you can race in any race in history you can race in any car in that race and who's your co-driver going to be Ooh, any race in history i'd still pick any le mans any year yep um is the race to do uh 
car to do it in. I can't even remember the model. Whatever the Bentley LMP. Oh, yeah, Speed 8. Is that yeah, Speed 8? Cool. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Bentley, because I think it's the sexiest car ever designed. Yeah. And teammate Dario. Because we yeah. never got to race together. Ah, and we yeah. talked about it for years, and we, Alan and I teamed a few times, and uh, Dario drove for Starworks at one point, but yeah. I wasn't mm -hmm. there, and I was Samax at that point, and so it's one of those ones, when he when he got injured and he retired, I, one of my texts to him was like, you bastard, you could have waited at least ah. until we drove together. But he's back doing a bit, bits and pieces now, isn't Don't he? Don't worry, we thought about that. Ah, did he not used to pick you up from school in a yellow Ferrari? Yeah, he had a couple of yellow Ferraris. <laughs> He had a he had a really nice three four eight. That was his first one he bought, and then he bought a Tesserosa, and the fucking thing would never start. And he would he would literally pick me up outside school and like, you know, hope to pray that it would actually start in front of my mates. Uh, yeah, and then we lived out in uh, we lived out in Crossford and, and Lanark at the time, and he used to uh, when he'd leave our house, he'd always say to me, he's like, see how long you can hear me for, and I hear him go down the one side of the valley and up the other. I could hear him for like twenty minutes. I think he still has his 355 that he had then. He's got some collection, Yeah, he? he's got the perfect collection and good choices too. Yeah, he lives not, well, he's, house, he's got a house not far from me near right. where my dad stays near Glen Eagles as well. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, do you think he'll come back to like proper pro racing or just like classic I stuff? I don't know. I, I think he looks like he's enjoying his life. You know, he's an awesome wife and family now. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Couldn't happen to a, a better guy and a guy that, you know, helped me huge amount for sure in the early years and, mm -hmm. and direct me I mean they ended up I ended up over here because of him yeah um, you know Dario was really close to our family at the time and uh, we shared a management team that he had got me connected with yeah um, I think he's still with them actually mm -hmm. um, and that was how I ended up over here and nobody even wanted to talk to me and, and open wheel stuff and mm -hmm. It was Dario that kind of leveraged some deals for me yeah. to come over. What a massive help. It, 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 I think like in, in Scottish racing drivers, obviously we're a tiny country, small number of people, but we produced some amazing drivers. And I, I think it all traces back to Jim Clark. We see like Jim Clark, he helped sure. out Jackie Stewart. Yeah. Jackie Stewart's helped out loads of guys, including Dario. And then yeah. Dario's carried that on and Alan and all these guys. You know. Yeah, and you know, I think we'd all do more if we could. It's, you know, it's hard to get... Uh, we're one of the few companies in the world, uh, free countries in the world that don't support their athletes in any yeah, way, shape or yeah. form. And, you know, I remember, uh, I remember when I got my champ car deal, the uh, Visit Scotland invited me to come have a meeting with them. And I thought, okay, obviously this is an endorsement deal of some kind and they asked me for money. Um, <laughs> so that kind of sums up, you know, what we've got going on there. And it's not that we can't afford it. Our country can easily afford to support all of our athletes, not just mm -hmm. racing, but you know who what other country has done more than we've done in, in this industry and to be global ambassadors but that's why we've all kind of tried to you know look back and help a little bit you yeah. know and i've tried to do my fair share you know in, in good years i've tried to do more and you know in bad years you try and do what you can but yeah because you look at like a, a facility like Knock Hill, like they're carrying the can on their own yeah. for Scottish motorsport. Yeah, yeah. Always have. Yeah. And that reminds me, Duncan sends his regards. Oh, good Duncan. Like yeah, yeah. Hopefully going to do some commentary with him right, this year. So it's Hopefully gonna, you can get a word in. I'll try. Right, there you I'll go. try. Yeah, yeah. I'm meeting him for coffee next week when I get back. So yeah, good, well. Hi, Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, thank you very much. Thanks, All man. the best of luck this weekend. Appreciate much appreciated.